Bruce. Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. It's Panda Watch. No, I'm just kidding. It's D-Hop Watch. It is currently 7.10 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday March 22nd, and the internet is abuzz with the idea that maybe DeAndre Hopkins might be a trade target for the Buffalo Bills. Between all of the Ed Oliver, Instagram, social media, cryptic nature today, and then some DeAndre Hopkins Instagram shenanigans with some posts and some following of a particularly famous Buffalo Bills quarterback, people have started to connect some dots. And they've started to wonder if maybe DeAndre Hopkins might be a trade target for the Buffalo Bills. So in the event something were to break while we are recording, we will stop. We will evaluate it live right here in real time. But until then, I got work to do. We got to do stuff. We got to talk about things. And specifically... I want to talk about the stuff that's happened since the last time we talked. Since the last time you and I have spoken, the Buffalo Bills signed Trent Sherfield. They re-signed David Questenberry, and they signed running back Damian Harris. And I made a comment on Twitter that I wanted to elaborate on a little bit in this podcast. Because in the event that the Buffalo Bills don't trade for DeAndre Hopkins then the interesting thing to me is that this offseason looks very similar to most offseasons for the Buffalo Bills. And I don't understand why we're feeling differently about it this year. I think it's because the environment around the team is different. But the actual actions of the team aren't markedly different. People are, well, Bruce, they signed Von Miller. Yes, and Von was the exception. That proves the rule. The Buffalo Bills' biggest free agency maneuvers, as far as signings go, were Star Latulale and Mitch Morse before the Von Miller contract. Now, obviously, they traded for Stephon Diggs, but that's a trade. That's That's not a free agent signing at all. In fact, the signing of Von Miller was the biggest signing the Buffalo Bills have done in recent memory of any position in free agency. And for those people, I pointed out, okay, was there a Hall of Fame player available at a position of need that you wanted to sign to the contract they got? And nobody had an answer. So what it boils down to is we want activity for the sake of activity just so we can pacify ourselves. It doesn't actually have anything to do with the actual maneuver because when I say, okay, what are the maneuvers? Show me a contract that was given out this free agency period That you go, yes, that one right there would have dominated. I would have totally been on board with that. Which one was it? Most of the meaningful ones were quarterbacks and guards. Would you rather have one of the guards 
that made 15 to 20 million dollars a year instead of Connor McGovern at eight? Maybe you would have rather had Nate Davis at 10 than Connor McGovern at eight? Okay, that's, I think, pretty reasonable. I understand that argument. But we all came into this free agent class knowing it kind of sucked. That's not my terminology. Albert Breer specifically was talking to NFL teams before free agency. And they're like, yeah, this free agent class kind of sucks. So if the free agent class kind of sucks, what big, gigantic splash all-in maneuver were you hoping to see? Also, you saw one last year from Von Miller. Do you want a big splash all-in maneuver every single year? That's what you want? That's not healthy team building, I don't think. I'm not sitting here saying that Brandon Bean knocked it out of the park. I'm saying this is normal. Like, what what else were you expecting? Now, I could be saying all these things that he could swing a trade for DeAndre Hopkins and the Cardinals could eat part of that salary and it could end up being a fairly reasonable deal. And that's okay. Or the Bills could trade for him and immediately give him a big new contract. And I'll be like, "Eh, I'm probably not excited about that. 30-year-olds, wide receivers, you know, we're excited about the name, but if it's a couple years remaining and they eat some of the money, I'm a lot more in favor of it. If they redo his deal and give him a raise, I'm not really that excited about DeAndre Hopkins in Buffalo. That's the truth. He's a really good player. But I don't want that kind of money and that kind of age tied up in the biggest weapons that the Buffalo Bills have. If they win a Super Bowl, of course, it'll all pay off, just like it did for the Rams. But for every team like the Rams, there's multiple teams who said, no, 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 we got to go all in, and it didn't work out. And they had to blow it up. And Brandon Bean flat out said he was trying to avoid maneuvers where he would be forced to tear something down. If you get DeAndre Hopkins and then you give him a big deal, that's going to be something you're going to have to tear down from. Now, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think if they do get DeAndre Hopkins, it'll probably be it a much more reasonable cost based on the wide receiver trades that have happened. Elijah Moore just went from the Jets to the Browns for an upgrade from a third to a second round pick. I have a feeling that probably depressed the Jerry Judy and DeAndre Hopkins trade market in a meaningful way. But this is me spitballing about a potential DeAndre Hopkins trade, which is interesting, of course, because it's not part of my notes. Literally just shooting directly from the hip right now. None of this is in my notes, which if you know anything about Bruce, I don't like going off notes much. But I wanted to kind of talk about it because it fits in with the methodology. If this doesn't happen, I'm not going to be shocked. If it doesn't happen, I'm going to look at the offseason and go, yeah, this this is about right. Brandon Bean doesn't put out fires in free agency very often. Instead, he takes ibuprofen for a migraine. I don't know if any of you have migraines or have ever gotten them before, but they they can really demolish your day. And ibuprofen is not going to take care of it. Now, it might lessen it. It might dull the pain a little bit. It might take the edge off a smidge, but it doesn't really put out the fire. Is anyone looking at the needs that the Buffalo Bills had coming into free agency and thinking to themselves, yep, we're done. We totally nailed it. Totally got it. We don't need wide receivers anymore. We got Trent Shurfield and Deontay Hardy. Wide receiver. I don't need wide receivers anymore. Offensive lineman. 
I don't need any offensive linemen. I have Connor McGovern. No. It didn't take it from a yes to a no. It took it from a, oh my gosh, to a, okay, deep breath. We still need it, but it's not as urgent as it was. The urgency was lessened. The need wasn't eliminated. And those are the types of players that make up the majority, the overwhelming majority of Brandon Bean free agent signings. If you look at this particular situation, you could make an argument that the Buffalo Bills upgraded at running back, wide receiver four, wide receiver five, and guard. They held water at offensive tackle, cornerback, and safety, and they downgraded at linebacker. That's where we're at right now, in my opinion anyway. If you think that Motor is better than Damian Harris, I'm okay with that. I like Damian Harris better. I I like him better coming out of college. I've always liked his running style better. I don't like the injuries, but the ball security is much better than you're getting with Devin Singletary. I think it's specific situations, specifically coming downhill. There's a little Derrick Henryan situation with Damian Harris where he's so much better coming downhill from behind the line of scrimmage as a back in a 21 personnel. Like, I really like Damian Harris with a fullback. I like him in I formation. I like to see 21, maybe 12 under center stuff as opposed to running out of a shotgun. So I think there's a, like a Derrick Henryan sort of vibe there. I'm not saying he's as good as Derrick Henry. I'm saying the same rule applies to Derrick Henry, that you don't really want to run him out of the shotgun as much. Same thing for Damian Harris. But the Bills upgraded at running back, wide receiver four, run, wide receiver five, and offensive guard. Then they held water at tackle, cornerback, and safety, and they downgraded at linebacker. Now, if you think the downgrade at linebacker is so massive that it completely outpaces the improvements, I'm okay with that. that that's a reasonable take. Going from Tremaine Edmonds to whoever it's going to be right now is probably more significant than the cumulative effect of going from Singletary to Damian Harris, Roger Saffold to Connor McGovern, Isaiah McKenzie to Deontay Hardy, and Jay Kumaro to Trent Sherfield. I'm okay with that. But this is kind of the way Brandon Bean's operated. These are the John Feliciano signings. These are the John Brown signings and the Cole Beasley signings. None of this stuff was top of market. There was no situation where you signed John Feliciano and you went, okay, we totally don't need to draft interior offensive line anymore. We're fine. No, you went, okay, well, that that could work out. You could get surplus value there. It's par for the course. I don't know why any of us would be surprised. I don't think we should be. I think if you've been following this team for any meaningful length of time, you shouldn't be surprised at all by stylistically the types of signings that they're making right now. And in the event that you don't really care about wide receiver four, wide receiver five, guard, running back, holding water at offensive tackle, cornerback, and safety, you don't don't care about any of that stuff. I would say that you cannot simultaneously acknowledge that injuries were an issue for the Bills last year and the depth was significantly tested and then also complain when the depth gets upgraded. Nobody cares about depth until the middle of the season when the injuries hit. In the offseason, nobody cares about depth. Every signing you make has to be a starter. 
in the middle of the season, then we care about depth. But then we forget all about it immediately after it's all over. Because the Bills are signing someone who might be the 53rd man on the roster. Well, in a lot of cases, that 53rd man has to play. Because by the time the NFL season gets to week 16, 17, 18, the playoffs, teams are beaten up mentally, physically, emotionally. You're going to want to have some depth. When Von Miller went down, you wish we would have had some depth. When Micah Hyde went down, you wish we would have had some depth. We had better depth at safety. The Minnesota Vikings game is probably a win. I know you're not going to have someone who's going to come in and play like Micah Hyde. You're not going to have someone who's going to come in and play like Von Miller. But every spot matters because you're going to need every spot. Depth matters. During the season, we care about it. And we go, oh, the GM didn't have us prepared. These players are terrible. And then in the offseason, when you reinforce it, then nobody wants to hear about it. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Well, we took a break. And the Bills still haven't signed or traded for, in this case, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, it's going to be funny. We're going to look back on tonight in a fun way either way. I'll never forget, during free agency a couple years ago, I did a pod on a couple signings because Anthony Marino, who does the Breaking Buffalo Rumblings podcast, was out. And I did a pod based on a couple signings. AJ Klein, in this case, was the signing. And then I was getting ready to go to bed. And the Bills signed a couple other players. And so I came back and I did another pod. And then I went to bed again. And then the Bills traded for Stevon Dix. And I came back again. I did three pods in one night. And by the end of the night, I was so punch drunk. 
I was laughing hysterically, like maniacally on the podcast because I was so tired and all I wanted to do was go to bed, but I had expended all of my energy for the previous pods and didn't have anything left to give by the time the Stefan Diggs pod came around. I was sitting there like, I was... These are signs to find I'm just, I'm so tired. I just want to go to bed. It was so bad. I feel like that's what this is going to be like later on. We're going to go back and listen to this pod and be like, hey, remember when we thought the Bills might trade for DeAndre Hopkins? That'd be fun, right? Well, nothing happened in the break between when I last talked to you and when I talked to you now. But I want to talk a little bit about the offseason. Because somebody said something to me not too long ago. That rung in my head. They said, Bruce, the offseason's really challenging for a lot of fans. And it reminded me of a conversation that I was having with my wife not too long ago. So y'all know I'm a nerd. Like that's been established. Lots of different types of nerd. Music nerd, football nerd, video game nerd, book nerd, movie nerd. I'm all sorts of nerd. Pick a nerd, I'm probably that kind of nerd. And so I enjoy things in a big way. Like I love to enjoy things meaningfully. I don't casually enjoy things. I enjoy them and I allow myself to feel a lot of joy because we should go and seek out joy as much as humanly possible in this world. So I was playing Metroid Dread not too long ago. Metroid is one of my favorite video game franchises. It's a Nintendo franchise. And I beat Metroid Dread and I really enjoyed it. And then I went to go play Dead Cells, which is another video game that I have on my Nintendo Switch. And both of them have some similar stylistic Metroidvania is the name of the genre. But they have some similar stylistic tendencies. And they both have bosses. But the difference is Metroid Dread is challenging And Dead Cells is punishing. And there's a difference between those two. And I want to explain to you what I mean by that. Metroid Dread has a system where if you lose to a boss, you respawn directly outside the boss's chamber. When you have bosses built that type, they're built around pattern recognition. You will probably get your rear end kicked the first time and the second time and the third time you fight any boss because you need to be able to recognize the patterns. Every single move can be dodged. You can 100% avoid all damage. You just have to figure out how. The specific move in the specific direction at the specific time. So what happens is you die and you respawn directly outside the boss. You jump right back in with the information that you just remembered, that you just learned. And it's a challenge. And eventually, the third, fourth, fifth time, however many times you fight the boss... You'll get it, and you'll be satisfied. In Dead Cells, when you lose to a boss, you start over again. And when I say start over again, I don't mean the boss fight. I don't even mean the level. I mean the game. It's a roguelike. So what that means is when you die, you start over at the beginning, and then a certain amount of your progress, whether that's items or collectibles or something like that, will carry over with you. But you start the entire game over again. Which means you don't get to go right back in there to dive right back in and fight the boss again with the knowledge that you just learned. No, 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 no. No, sir. You have to go all the way back and sludge your way. Just trudge on up the hill again through the entire level 
again to get to that boss. If that was the third boss, you have to fight through multiple bosses again before you get to that boss. And what that means is that you're not really able to quickly apply the lessons you learned. You have to kind of remember them for a long time and they have to sit on you for a minute. Why does that matter? Because one of them is punishing and the other one's challenging. Metroid Dread's a lot like the regular season. You have a game, you win, you lose, whatever the outcome, next week you got another game. You can take the lessons you learned. You can wipe that other one and get better and move forward. It's challenging. The NFL offseason is punishing because every single team ends on a down note unless you win the Super Bowl. Either you didn't make the playoffs, you lost in the playoffs, or you lost in the Super Bowl. 31 teams fall short of the goal every single year, and then you have to sit in it. You have to trudge your way back up that hill for the entire offseason to get back to the spot where you wanted to be before. The regular season is challenging. The offseason is punishing. So what do we do about it? Bruce, why would you keep playing Dead Cells if that's punishing? What makes the trek back okay is one of two things. Number one, you need a break. You relish the break. You're like, you know what? I didn't really want to bang my head against that wall anymore anyway. Let's do something else. Let's take our mind off of it. Let's focus on something else. Maybe I can take this path I didn't take before. Do a little exploring this time around. You needed a break from that concept. You needed a break from that battle. You needed a break from beating your head against that one challenge over and over and over again. The second thing is that maybe you just enjoy the ride. Maybe you just like playing the game. It doesn't matter if you lose to the boss and you got to slug your way on up, got to trudge through the snow uphill both ways, just like your parents always told you with their baby brother on their back. Maybe you just enjoy the walk. So that's my encouragement to the offseason. My encouragement to the offseason for you, because I saw a list of angry fans and I was really excited to see the Bills fairly low on the list. But it made me think, how do you get through an offseason when the regular season is what's challenging, but the offseason is what's punishing? You're being punished because you got to wait around. you got to sit in it until the next time you get to see football again. You lost to the boss, and now you got to tread your way back again. You can either decide that you want to take the opportunity, take a break from it, consume something different, Consume some draft talk. Watch some XFL. Watch some college. You can absorb yourself in something else. Or you can enjoy the ride. You can just enjoy playing the game. I love the offseason. I love the offseason. I love the regular season too, but I love the offseason. The NFL draft is like Christmas for me. I love this stuff. It is the congruence of two of my favorite things in the world. College football and pro football. And it's all wrapped up in this wonderful team-building, philosophical ball. And I love it. So the two things we can use to get through the punishing offseason, accept that you might need a break, and that's okay. 
Consume other styles of Buffalo Bills stuff. Don't dwell on it. Don't talk about 13 seconds. It'll make you feel bad. Just know what happened, but we got to focus on something else now. Or we can just learn to love the, the trek itself. The walk back is part of the fun. And yeah, you can think about that boss when you're walking back. But you got to enjoy the ride. Otherwise, you're just not going to want to play the game anymore. You're just going to get mad. You're going to start throwing controllers. Nobody wants to throw a controller. Nobody wants to be the spouse of a person who's throwing their controller. Nobody wants to be the dog of a person who's throwing their controller. So let's not throw controllers anymore. I did not intend for that segment to last this long. I didn't intend for DeAndre Hopkins to be a part of this discussion. I didn't intend for a lot of this podcast to go down the way it went down. But that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings. <laughs>